The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's seven minutes after eight here on the Forum at 8. Thanks so much for listening in. Today we're hosting the public protector, Advocate Tuli Madonsela, on her findings into the multi-million rand security upgrade at President Jacob Zuma's in Kandla residence. Enough said. Advocate, a very good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Are we having a bit of a problem with your headphones? We'll try and fix those for you as well. Uh, our technicians is coming in to, to fix your headphones for us. But ma'am, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're not going to need the headphones until the call is covered. So a great pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for this opportunity to be here and good morning to the listeners. I've, I've got out every newspaper that I receive in the morning. There's uh, seven newspapers, if I've counted them right, eight newspapers because today, of course, we get the Mail and Guardian as well. So we've got eight newspapers in front of us. You're on the front page of every single one of them. Is that a scary thought? Is that intimidating? I received an SMS from people saying, you know, you're being projected into the limelight. Do you have bodyguards surrounding you? I mean, are you worried about this kind of attention? I'm not really worried about the attention because I have been receiving a lot of attention from the people of South Africa for reasons other than scandals, though. People who are happy that we're helping Gogodlaminis and Gogodlaminis are telling the story of the work that we're doing. I see recently you joined Twitter two weeks ago. It's, uh, so congratulations, welcome to Twitter. How, how does it feel being on Twitter, getting the reaction directly to you from, from listeners and the public? Well, thank you for welcoming me. It's been wonderful. The Twitter community has welcomed me very warmly. We have been on Twitter as the Public Protector South Africa for quite a long time. The private account helps me to be light-hearted as well. I mm. don't always have to, to be very official. I can also engage on things that have nothing to do with the public protector as an institution. I'm just looking up your, your hashtag here. So it's TuliMadonsela3, at TuliMadonsela3, currently at 20,000 followers, uh, and you're only following 289. I hope I'm one of them, uh, Ms. Madonsela. Are you follow, do you follow many news and, and uh, other media outlets? So far, yes. The, the, the groups that I shows so far have been primarily the news channels I will try to follow more people and I really do thank people because it's 20,000 within almost two weeks I started Mm. to tweet about two Sundays ago so it's 10 minutes after 8. Let's get into the main reason why we invited you today uh, to join us. Advocate Madonsela is in studio to talk with you about the Encandler report, which she announced yesterday. She started at half 12. She only ended the briefing sometime around half 4. So I don't know if you caught all the details, but today she's here to distill them down. I'm hoping she's going to be able to do that. 12 key questions that you had. Let's start with those. So 12 key questions that you asked on the Encandla report, you were looking for answers to them. Distill them down. What, what was the essence of what you were looking for? The essence of those questions was whether um, the installations at Encandla were, were in line with the, the key principle. The key principle being that public power should always be exercised in accordance with the law and in the public interest. So the first questions you will see there relate to was there a law or a policy that enabled them to do the things they did? So did they have the legal authority to to carry out this work? Yes. The second question related to that is did they act within the boundaries of that legal authority and in accordance with the rules that are set down 
in that particular legal authority. In this case, for example, we focused a lot on the cabinet policy of 2003. It stipulates what security assistance may be extended to the president as a privilege. By the way, in relation to private residences, it's not automatic that you get security. Mm. Because in the public sector, members of the executive are given public residences that are paid for. And the assumption is that you would move your home, everyone, into the public residence and stay there. And then the assumption is that occasionally you may go on holiday to your own home. Other people may rent their homes. You'll see it's universal. Presidents come and stay mm. at state house with their families and then they visit their homes occasionally. So this is a privilege. It's not a right. And then it's regulated, of course. And then we had to look at that. So what did you find when you looked at whether there was legal authority to carry out this work and the work that was carried out? There was legal authority for some of the work and there was no legal authority at all for some of it. And you found that the, the authority was exceeded in some situations? It certainly was exceeded in two ways. In, in, there was ex the, the authority was exceeded in that in some instances more items were procured than the ones that are prescribed in the minimum standards instrument, minimum security standards instrument, and also the list that was procured was beyond what the security advisors that had done the assessment had recommended. So that's when we talk about exceeding the limit. When we talk about where there was no legal authority at all, like some of the things like moving the neighbors at state expense, there is no law that was invoked by government to do that. Government just said we needed to do it. In the public sector, you don't just do it because you need to do it. You need it because you are empowered by the law to do it. If you come across a new problem, you then have to go back and create a rule that will help you solve it, meaning you can go and create a new law or a new policy that would allow you to do that. The Auditor General says that to all of us all the time. You can't just do things because you think they must be done. If there's no authority for it, create a policy. Let's invite the listeners now. If you'd like to call in 0891-104-208, that's the number you can dial. And I'm going to invite you to address your questions directly to Advocate Madonsela. You don't need to greet me at all today. I'm irrelevant on the show. Uh, she's the main reason why you're calling in. So talk to her directly. What questions do you have for her? Pose it to her directly so she can answer you directly. 34701, USMS hotline, tweet or Facebook right now, AM Live on SAFM. But give us a call if you want to speak to the public protector. 891 104208. We had a lot of questions come in for you earlier on, on SMS. People are asking about the inflation of costs. If we looked at, you know, our deputy political editor was in studio this morning and talked about the media, and you acknowledged the role of the media in this in 2009, bringing to light the Encandla project, 27 million rand. At that point, we're now talking about 246 million rand. Should this have been stopped somewhere along the way? It should have been stopped and it could have been stopped. Apart from the media, there was an internal official, a certain Miss Paisley, who indicated in August 2009 that the costs were spiraling out of control and she recommended two things. 
that the scale of the project be defined and contained and the budget be kept. That was not done. Now, this is a very interesting figure because people often have this perception or impression that government can be painted with one brush, that everyone is corrupt or everyone is, is committing maladministration. But there are individuals who will bring this information to light and you paid tribute to them yesterday, the, the ones who whisper in your ear, I think you said. Certainly. And this Miss Paisley, though, did more than just whistleblowing. She took responsibility and asked the team themselves, because she wrote to the decision makers and said, please note about this costs and scale are spiraling out of control. Define the scope and cap it. Define the budget and cap it. That advice is in an internal memo where she is asking the authorities inside DPW to do something. 0891 uh, Give us a call right now if you have a question for Advocate Madon Seller, strictly on the Encandler report. That's why she's here today. And you can address your questions directly to her. Vusi in Durban, you're speaking to the Advocate. Uh, advocate. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. God be with you, ma'am. Uh, two, one thing, the Treasury, shouldn't the Treasury, ma'am, on your recommendation, investigate the wastage around Encandler and, uh, and probably even the president himself, you know, around the whole question of him with his planning, uh, taking those plans to be given to the public work for them to be able to, to do his own renovations. Thank you. I haven't necessarily said that it was wrong of the president to, to participate in the design process. I have said it was wrong of DPW to communicate with the president through Mr. Makanya. If the president had to be involved in the design process, which I think he shouldn't have been, because it wasn't for luxury, it was to designing security, he should have communicated directly with DPW at the level of the politicians. This morning I spoke to Dr. Guluba from, he's the Secretary of Defense, who admitted this morning that there was a problem with process, that the information shouldn't have been communicated to this one Mr. Makanya, who became the de facto principal agent on the project. He admitted and conceded on the show this morning that there was a problem of maladministration when Mr. Makanya was taking instructions and giving instructions on this project. Tell us a little bit more about Mr. Makanya and your investigation around him. Well, that's a first by somebody in government mm. admitting that the problem is beyond procurement. It's just about how the authority to act down there was executed. Well, tell us a little bit more about Mr. McKenna. How, how did his name come to light and the 16 million rand that he's been paid so far? Mr. McKenna was employed because it was believed because I'm now talking about what we have concluded. Mm -hmm. It was alleged that the president asked that he be included or he be given this job. It, that was the allegation. But the evidence shows that people believed that the president would have preferred him to continue. And it was clear, though, that also that there was a belief that the president did not want people, new people, at his house. That may be so when it comes to the house's that belong to the family, but when you're going to the houses that are outside the, the, the household, there's no reason why you should have been involved. He was employed initially, the cost of employing him was going to be about 400 and something thousand rand. 
because when he came in, the budget had already been determined. It was 27,000 rand, and DPW had signed off. Mm. But when he came in in August, DPW allowed the new process under him to expand the scale of the project. That was when then there was the complaint, firstly from the head of the Director of Architectural Services, Mm -hmm. who said, we have moved from humble beginnings to building a township. Then Ms. Paisley also complained. And all of that was happening after Mr. Makanya was involved. And DPW then allowed the scale of the project to go beyond what had already been signed off, which was the 27 million. They did so because they were convinced by Mr. Makanya and party that more was needed for security. But it was not for the service provider to decide for you what you need for security. It was for government to determine what is needed for security and then go to the market to procure on the basis of what it had determined. The security experts had determined what was needed. They came again a year later. They still determined what was needed on the basis of the minimum security standards instrument. And it dealt with security items, the kinds that you would procure for your own house. Motion detectors, lighting, specific lighting, um, and intruder detectors and things like that. And then uh, water, uh, firefighting um, equipment, equipment, Mm. etc. All of the things that they recommended were in line with the authority instruments. And only the Makanya Brigade brought in construction issues that belong to the construction industry and they were placed in as security items. It's 20 minutes after 8. We're in conversation with the public protector advocate Tuli Madonsela. Once again, ma'am, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And I know our listeners are going to appreciate it. Give us a call right now. We'll put you on air. Up next, you're going to get to ask your question to the public protector. Stay tuned. Take a minute to think about that last cup of coffee you had. How did the farmer know when to plant and to harvest? How did the buyers know what price to pay or how to keep track of their stock? Consider the entire journey to that perfect sip. In every step, there's a complex business problem that MTN Business has a solution for. We help make small businesses bigger and big businesses better. Go to mtnbusiness.co.za for more. Welcome to the new world of business. The Community Law Center of the University of the Western Cape presents the 9th Annual Dalla Omar Memorial Lecture on Tuesday, the 25th of March at 7 p.m. One of the architects of South Africa's constitutional order, retired constitutional court judge, activist, freedom fighter, and academic, Justice Albi Sachs, will deliver a lecture entitled Speaking to Oliver Tambo's Ghost, 20 years into democracy, exploring how far the new South Africa has come and how far we have yet to go. Order your free ticket to this event on www.communitylawcenter.org.za or tune in to the talk shop on Tuesday the 25th of March at 7pm with Maschavam Dolo, the 9th annual Dalla Omar Memorial Lecture, brought to you by SFM and the University of the Western Cape. children. <laughs> All right, today I want you to tell me what you did on your holiday. Uh, Melanie, you first. On our holiday, we went to the mountains and I saw a vervet monkey. On our holiday, we went to the bush and I saw a lion and a little elephant. 
On our holiday, we went to the coast and stayed at a three-star guest house. With an ocean view, breakfast area with loads of yummy food, big beds made for jumping and all the TV channels I wanted. Oh. Experience quality accommodation, service and hospitality when you stay at one of our star-graded establishments. Visit tourismgrading.co.za to find out more. Hi. Can I update my... Sure. Hi, Mrs. R. Sorry, science project. Okay. Really need to make a call. Go on. Hi, Joe from Telcom. You called 10213? Guys, it's for you. Come get your own broadband so you can do what you're doing at your own homes. Pay a visit to the leader in fixed broadband. Call 10213. Go to telcom.co.za or visit your nearest Telcom store. Conditions apply. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 23 minutes after 8 in conversation with Advocate uh, public, uh, the Advocate Tuli Madensela, the Public Protector in South Africa. She's not on holiday tomorrow. I just asked her that question if she's going to be expecting a day off. Unfortunately, not working on the public holiday. And she's here working again to take your phone calls. We've got Dan in the Free State who's calling in. Dan, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Advocate. How are you? I'm all Dan. Good morning. Uh, advocate, I just want to check. Has uh, the same scrutiny been done? Anywhere in the world, if the, of the current sitting president, if the answer is yes, which countries? Dan, thanks for that call. Let's uh, take some more callers for you then. We've got Sequala in Limpopo. It's time to call in if you want to ask a question. 0891-10428. Sequala, good morning. Good morning, how are you? We're doing well, Sequala. Go ahead. Can I greet uh, Advocate Tuli? Of course you can. Go ahead. Uh, Advocate Tuli, good morning, how are you? Good morning. Um, I'm well, thank you. And thank how you, are you very much. Great. Thank you very much and congratulations on your report. You. But Abakira, just, just one question. I mean, would we say President Zuma was aware of the corrupt activities which took place in constructing his private home in Kantla? And, and, and in part of your report, you've also indicated that uh, President Zuma must pay back portion of costs. And I just want to find out as to how much money did he use or was used actually which did not address the security features and how much should he pay? Sequala, thanks for that call. Michael's in Nelsprate. So go ahead, Michael. You're talking to the advocate. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. And then quickly, uh-huh. um, I was listening to the Minister of Justice yesterday, uh, Mr. Jeff Hadere, you know, his reaction from the government. Mr. Jeff said that the government has launched the investigation of their own. And then now, after the findings of the investigation, they are uh, that findings, or those findings are going to form the basis for the um, prosecutorial considerations. So I wanted to ask them, um, uh, uh, the public protector that isn't, it wasn't just possible for the government maybe to use the hand now for the, uh, these prosecutorial considerations. Because my point is, I think that what government is doing is just to undermine the office of the, uh, um, uh, the of the public protector. Thank you. Thank you very much for that call, Michael in Nelsprate. Uh, before I get the public protector to respond, we do have a clip of the Justice Minister, Jeff Khadebu, who addressed a media briefing. Here's what he had to say. The government reiterates its positions that all measures that were recommended by the security cluster and implemented by the Department of Public Works in the President's private residence were security upgrades that were necessary for the security of the President. The retaining wall, the cattle crawl, the culvert, the, pool, the fire pool and water reservoir, accommodation for security personnel and visitors waiting area 
uh, all essential security features which ensures physical security and effective operation of security equipment. The Justice Minister, Jeff Khadebe, yesterday. Advocate Madam Seller to Dan, Michael and Sequala. Thank you. Perhaps I should start with the Minister of Justice. If Minister of Justice, you are listening, I am going to request a security, uh, I'm going to request a swimming pool from you as part of my security. And I'm planning to buy a small farm somewhere where I will also need you to consider securing my chickens. The reality is, I don't make the rules. Government makes the rules. Government defines what is security, and they don't just define what is security for the president. They define what is security for ministers, for premiers, and for mayors. They have created security instruments. They are called minimum security standard instruments. The security experts, as required under the cabinet policy, used those instruments and created a list. It did not include the things that the minister is talking about. Those things were unlawful. There is no security instrument that says government can move people to cater for Mm. the security of the president. If this was done in terms of the National Key Points Act, all that needed to be done was to declare the whole place a national key point precinct. Mm -hmm. If it's a precinct, then the wall would go around and cover all of the families that are around that place. With due respect to the Minister of Justice, he is the Minister of Justice. It is his role to ensure that the rule of law is obeyed in this country. And I invite him to please do so. Secondly, you can't compare the decision of a constitutional institution to a small task team of junior officials who account to the wrongdoers. The rule of law requires that when you have a competent authority that has been given the power to make that decision, you defer to that. We defer to the courts. You can't just sit there and say, my own little task team made a different decision. Once a, a competent authority has decided otherwise, using its powers, that task team has no legal standing. My office has legal standing. It is created under Section 181 of the Constitution and given the power to do what I did yesterday by Section 182 of the Constitution. Are you suggesting that your report should supersede all other reports? Because the presidency spokesperson, Mac Mirage, says your report is an additional tool, not the most important tool, not the most credible of tools. He doesn't say that. I am saying to whoever is listening in government, the law requires them to understand that my report overrides any internal processes. That's logical. Let's take parliament. Parliament was saying there was wrongdoing in my department recently, and um, I was asked questions. I had an internal task team that collected information, and once it collected information, I didn't go to the public and say, Parliament, whatever Parliament decides, is, um, is I will not abide by it. I just collected what my task team said and gave it to Parliament to decide, because only Parliament had authority to decide. That task team had no authority to decide. My office 
had con- has, has constitutional authority to decide. We need to take news headlines, but when we return, I want to get into this issue a little bit more because the ANC's Greta Mantasha has been talking about it before your report. He said it was going to be a political statement and he would deal with it as such. He also said that if you look at the facts, you were also investigating based on the same facts that the IMC had. So why are the two, should the two reports be any different? Something that I want to tackle with you, Advocate, would be joined by her throughout the program. Uh, stay tuned with us, 34701 US hotline tweet or facebook am live on safm 8:30 let's get to your news headlines here's vibakshini chatty breakfast current affairs here on safm coming up at nine o'clock morning talk with rowena bird how is the show looking today rowena? good morning dosh and coming up on morning talk today we're going to take a look at the causes of death in south africa when we speak to statistician general padili hosla in the first hour of today's show statistics south africa released its mortality and causes of death in south africa report recently and this morning we will unpack that report after 10 o'clock we're going to speak to mr Mujali Fanale, the chief executive Officer of the Northwest Development Corporation. We speak to Mr. Nale about the second Northwest BRICS Expo and Conference. It's going to be hosted by the Northwest Province next week, and uh, Mr. Nale is going to tell us more about the investment opportunities that exist in the Northwest Province and how they hope to retain these and possibly even expand on them. And here's one for unemployed youth, Darshan. Harambe is looking for unemployed matriculants with less than one year work experience who want to work in admin, call centre, retail, hospitality and sales. They're the official partner to a range of clients and they source and help young people get get, uh, ready for their first job. We'll get more details on that and that's coming up just after 10.30, the news headlines then. In the final hour of today's programme, we will talk to the Professional Hunters Association of South Africa. They requested to come on and correct misrepresentations made by Mr. Chris Mercer, whom we spoke to two days ago. Mr. Mercer is director of the campaign against canned hunting, and I just hope it doesn't become too much of a back-and-forth kind of thing. It's always a good idea to have all the role players represented all at one session, and you would know that. So we'll see what happens today. That's the show for today. 25 minutes to 9. The public protector has revealed that the manner in which the Nkandla report was administered and implemented gives the impression of a toxic concoction of a lack of leadership, a lack of control and a focus on self-interest. Zuma and his family unduly benefited is one of the key findings. The police minister, Natim Tetwa's conduct was improper and amounted to maladministration and officials violated procurement processes. The cattle crawl, the chicken run, the swimming pool and the visitors' reception area are not required parts of the security measures. That was the finding of the public protector, which she did speak about yesterday. If you'd like to give us a call, 891 More questions coming in for the public protector. Someone SMS. I hope you can take them very quickly, ma'am. Here's one that I got earlier from Max Mojalefa. He says that, do you think President Zuma is fit to bear office? And I guess it also echoes what Sequala was, was asking. Was the president aware of this? Did he know? And then subsequently, should he still be in office? Thank you for that question. It really is not the role of a public protector or an ombudsman to determine the fitness for office. All I have said is that some of his actions were inconsistent with the responsibilities of his office because it is his duty to ensure that public power is exercised in the public interest. And a lot of the things that were done at his house 
were not in the public interest. But it's not him who authorized that those things be done because he is not the accounting officer, he's not a minister. All I have said about him is that when he was participating in the design process, he should have asked questions. Is this necessary? Is this authorized? Is this cost economic? Like the owner of any house. Exactly. There's another SMS uh, for you here. Elizabeth and Spiwa both wrote this one in. They say, why did Tuli Madansela say the president must pay a reasonable amount? Spiwa says, we know exactly how much a kraal, paving, swimming pools, amphitheater costs. So why can't you be specific about the amount that you want the president to pay back? It's difficult to ask him to pay all of the money. I've indicated in the report that the amounts involved are obscene. And that's the point I make in the report Mm. also, that the regime was meant for small things. That's why you could pay for them yourself. In the case of Nkandla, a whole township has been created. You can't ask an individual to foot the bill. Mm. You say this is opulence on a grand scale? It is opulence on a grand scale. That that was the allegation Mm. that was made, and I have made that um, conclusion, that finding, that it is opulence. When you're talking about it being opulence, you're simply saying that even where there was a legitimate security need, you didn't go to, you didn't have to go for the most ideal thing to to use. Let's take the chicken run. My team members didn't even know that that thing was a chicken run. And a lot of members of the investigation team were laughing to say, oh, is that a chicken run? Because you don't find it in South Africa. The average homeowner does not have a chicken run. When I asked Mr. Makanya, why a chicken run? He says, he said, this is the way they do it in England, which is true, but we're not in England, number one. Secondly, if there was a better way, an economic way to do it, it could have been done. I still think it was not a security feature, but it could have been done cheaper. Well, let me expose myself as well. What is a chicken run? You've you've managed to find that answer, I'm I'm assuming. This is the chicken run. If you remember the movie Chicken Run, there is actually a chicken run. It's that structure, that tall structure Mm -hmm. that is built for chicken. It looks like a tower. If you look at the picture on our report... Uh, secure in comfort. Maybe yes. our Twitter group should put the cover of the report on Twitter. Oh, I have it, the 470 pages worth of it. It's, uh, it's a massive document. No, just the cover, yeah. if they could do that. The, the Twitter, if you look at the cover of the report, then the artist in our office pulled out all of the items that should never have been procured. And the chicken run is that tall tower-like thing. Honestly. Honestly. Considering that these very same officials knew that there was no budget for it, and the original budget for 27 million had long been exhausted, and they had to take money from the inner city regeneration project to cover these things, and there was another fund for a dolomite risk um, management project, Mm. that money was taken to cover this. Would it be fair to take that money to cover a chicken run? when you could meet the need without a chicken run. The swimming pool, it said that it it was a fire pool. Mm. That is true. The project team had conceived a fire pool, which is perfectly in line with the law. Then 
After Mr. Makanya came in, the minutes show that there was a discussion that he was going to discuss with the homeowner whether this could be converted into a swimming pool. The minutes, the future minutes keep talking about this is held in abeyance because it is, this has caused implications for the owner and therefore uh, it has not been implemented yet. Why was it eventually implemented without a discussion with the homeowner about whether or not he was prepared to pay for the conversion into a swimming pool is not known to me and is not shown in the evidence. So it's not correct that statement that is made by the Minister of Justice in the clip that you played that those were recommended by the security experts because the security experts are clear throughout their minutes that they were items they did not regard as security features. That includes the visitor center. Again, I would ask the Minister of Justice, should I come and request a visitor center in the event people want to come to my house? And, 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 and meet with me as part of the security features. Well, minister, Should other ministers ask for these? Minister, you're welcome to call in if you'd like. 0891 We'd love to have your comments. Uh, Sam is calling in for you, Advocate. Sam, you're speaking to the Advocate. Go ahead. Yes, <coughs> two quick questions. You know, um, I just want to find out from the Advocate. Is this about the Zuma himself or the taxpayer's money? Because I'll tell you because I'm in construction. And concern if you are to make that rent with rents because of the five billion that they organized you know construction did uh, on that. Secondly, is that uh, uh, how much did the public protector pay for the for for, for, the, for this probe? The last question is, uh, uh, would you take the public would you take responsibility for the leaks in his office because he should have known and he's head of the press security and what can be done about it? Thank you. Sam in Wintervold, thank you very much. Uh, Janus in Cape Town, you're speaking to the public protector. Yes, thank you very much. Lady, you are the hero of the nation. I don't have to repeat it because many, many people think this way and uh, I'm proud I'm still staying here in South Africa because we love you. But uh, uh, my question is, as a, your commission can make only recommendation. Can your commission make a recommendation because at the moment you recommend that Recommend to everything to the president, and we know that, and his ministers, and know they are corrupted. Can we have a recommendation that somebody, uh, some other organization, even yours, can have a law above them? So you, uh, when you you investigate, you uh, to take to, together with justice department can have a more power. Another 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 Janus, point. Let's leave it there, Yanis. Unfortunately, there's a lot of callers with a lot more points, and we're going to have to ask you to be as brief as possible and keep it to just one point. Mike in Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Advocate. First of all, congratulations. I think you're a very brave lady. It could not be easy with the loathing that the ANC must have uh, poured upon you in this in this report. I want to ask you, what do you say to people that uh, say that this is yet another public protector report that the ANC will ignore? People are saying that the ANC will not impeach the president. All the ministers, all the MPs are all in the pockets of our president, and they're not going to bite the hand at feed. And this is a lot of money we've spent to really uncover all this corruption, yet really at the end of the day, there's never going to be any money paid. Ministers will not be dismissed. People will not be dismissed, and there will never, ever be any action. And I'll be on this radio station a year from now, uh, advocate, and and sadly, unfortunately, uh, not to say your efforts are wasted, but unfortunately, there will be no repercussions to this report. And people are very, very excited by the report, but depressed at the same time. Thank you. Thanks for that call in Cape Town. Sigan Randberg, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much, Darshan. I wanted to pay major tribute to this brave lady. I would have been lying flat and or, 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 or phoning psychiatrists 
for treatment for <laughs> post-traumatic stress after yesterday's ordeal. Uh, this is a personal sacrifice that is intensely, intensely damaging to her health even. Uh, 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 when you've got the, the, uh, the entire leadership of this uh, country, uh, uh, the wrong leadership that we do have, uh, uh, persecuting her for four years, uh, well, not quite, uh, but but this is important that we should all bear. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you all ask the questions, and 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 uh, um, uh, Tuli did not answer it. Uh, uh, did the president know, or didn't he know? Well, he didn't know because you he could not have been ignorant of of the Mail and Guardian's wonderful uh, 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 press Sig. statement. Thank on you. Thank you very much, Sig. Let's leave it there. So, did he know? Must mention PTSD. Sig has a bit of a lighter moment there. But you, yesterday you paused uh, during the uh, the presentation, and I was listening to the radio, so I didn't know what was happening. And then you came back on mic, and you said, "You know, you troubling, you troubled by your sinuses, and you're still here today, talking on radio stations and TV stations while suffering with your sinuses." Sig says it's uh, as a response to the stress that you're dealing with. Thank you. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it's partly stress, but I had reacted also to medicine for malaria that I took mm. on my trip last weekend. By the time I stopped, the damage had already been done. By the time the doctor ordered me to stop taking, it was worse than this. Well, we wish you a speedy recovery, right. ma'am. Sig wants to know, did the president know? He says you didn't answer that. The president knew that there were installations at his house because it's his, it's his mm. homestead, of course, he would know. The evidence also shows that he participated in the design process. He considered that in his written response to me. What we don't know is, did he know how much it would cost? Because I posed the question, did he know? Did he ask the questions? Those are the questions he did not answer. There's also been a suggestion that there was corruption. I just want to explain good people. I haven't found that there was corruption because I didn't go deep enough. With the resources we have and the, the, the massive nature of the project, we needed more resources. Had a commission of inquiry been appointed, it would have been mm -hmm. given more resources to deal with this. We did this project with our normal budget, so the cost of the project is principally in terms of the salaries of our staff, the transport to Uganda, which was minimal, and then we requested an auditing, a, a forensic audit accountant to audit the procurement documents and the pay certific payment certificates. We paid that person, I think, in the region um, a, a, a couple of... It's still less than 500000 that we paid for that. But that's all that we, we paid for it. Again, you have to look at the Commission of Inquiry on AMSTO. Uh, how much is it spending? The Marikana Commission, the board that had to deal with the the case of the Commissioner of Police. I also have not called for the impeachment of the President. Mike 
or any other person. Mm-hmm. I really have made a finding on wrongdoing and left it to others to determine what happens, which brings me to Yanis's But Before question. you get to Yanis, what action against a consultant? I just want to add to Mike's question. There, is there any action that you can take against an individual not directly employed by the state? Yes, action could be taken. If I could prove that there was criminality, I would have referred the matter to the prosecution. The Public Protector Act gives me the power to investigate fully in the manner that the South African Police Services would have investigated and refer a matter directly to the prosecution if I believe there was criminality. I haven't at this stage found criminality, but the task team appointed by government suspected criminality and has referred those matters for for investigation. Mm-hmm. So we left it at that. Let's get to Yanis's point and I just want to refer to some a point that you made yesterday. You 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 said even if you yourself were irrational, you have to work within the Public Protector Act, you have to work within the concepts Absolutely. of the Constitution. Is there a law above you taking into account the argument that some may make that you are irrational, that you have an agenda perhaps, what law supersedes the public protector? Firstly, I don't have an agenda. And secondly, the facts speak for themselves. We have given you a report, secure in comfort, with a cover that shows you what was procured. We must be reminded of the fact that the complainant was an ordinary taxpayer. It was not a politician. The six complainants that complained, apart from the, for the, the complaint that came one year later from mm. a politician, were from ordinary members of the public who raised this question, can government employees be given these privileges in a country where people are suffering the Limpopo province, Limpopo province had a difficulty of a child who died in a toilet. Mm. When government uh, came to the party, it said it was going to fix the problem, but it will take until 2016 because there isn't enough money. Now, you don't need a rocket scientist to say a country that says rural schools can be without infrastructure and that we can still stay with no school days because there's no infrastructure and children are going to drown if they go to school, can then say that we will build chicken runs and swimming pools and visitor centers for those we employ to look after our people. There has to be something wrong with that. I didn't make the rules. Government made those rules, which brings me to, was it Sam who said, has this been ever done, uh, has this kind of investigation been done in respect of any other mm-hmm. president? Very yes, quickly, though, if I can ask you. In the UK, there's been lots of investigations about use of privileges, and people resigned in their own accord. In Sweden, a minister in, in Sweden who had used privileges, who had bought a chocolate, it's called Tablaron chocolate. Mm. Imagine how much is Tabarin Chokling resigned in her own accord when it became when it came to the fore that she hadn't paid for it. It's eight minutes to nine. We'll wrap up with the public protector right after this. My question, what happens now? What action should be taken and who should be acting? And what's next for the public protector? All that and more coming up. Stay tuned. 
This summer's hottest hatch, the Volvo V40 T3, can be yours with 0% deposit from just 3699 per month. Offer over 72 months, retail price 292500 rate to customer 4.69%, balloon payment 81900 cost to customer 384577 Subject to credit approval by Volvo Car Financial Services, a division of West Bank and First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Offer includes VAT and CO2 emissions tax and is available while stocks last. Another reason to consider Volvo. Hi, can I update my... Sure. Hi, Mrs. R. Sorry, science project. Okay. Really need to make a call. Go on. Hi, Joe from Telcom. You called 10213? Guys, it's for you. Come get your own broadband so you can do what you're doing at your own homes. Pay a visit to the leader in fixed broadband. Call 10213. Go to telcom.co.za or visit your nearest Telcom store. Conditions apply. My name is Tepo Mapik, one of the best graduates at my school. To tell you, my family has never had anybody finish matric in their life. I was the first. I got straight A's in maths, physical science, and civil technology. The problem is that I can't go to varsity because I depend on my grandmother's pension. Feel my possibilities. Take a bold step by SMSing 40064 to donate 20 rands to Kahiso Trust Eric Mulogi Scholarship Program. Help me and others to fulfill our dreams and attend varsity. You add hope, add love, and add to the future. Take a bold step. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Rendani in Pretoria says, is there any recourse for the taxpayer? And Jocelyn in Hilton says, I would also like to suggest that there be a ceiling as to how much taxpayers' money can be spent in any future presidential private home. What lessons can we take away from this public protector? The lessons, I think, key to it is that when somebody advises government that there's a problem, action should be taken immediately. We have referred to the case of Kumalo, Mm. where the Supreme Court of Appeal has said that should happen. It is incumbent in terms of Section 195 of the Constitution, which requires that there should be cost, uh, economic use of public resources and efficient use of public resources, that government officials and office bearers should then take action if a problem is detected. Secondly, that we should always act in accordance with the law. That's the lesson here was that they saw something, they thought of something, and just based on their feelings, they classified things as security. If they strongly felt that chickens also needed to be secure and cows needed to be secure, they should have said, we have a novel situation here. It's never been done mm. before, and gone back to cabinet and say, would like you, you to include in the list of, of security 16 items. Mm. Of the 16, there's 16 items that are standard items in the instrument. And then they went beyond that. They should have gone back to cabinet. It's a cabinet document and said, they were wrong in 2003 in limiting the security items to this. They didn't think of a rural area where people would have chicken and things like that. Well, back to Jocelyn's question, then. Is this going to happen again? Can we prevent it? The advice I've given to government as part of remedial action has been that it should never happen again. And Jocelyn, I've asked them to do exactly what you think I should have asked them to do, which is cap the benefits, itemize the benefits, and set out a procedure to be followed in the event something new that was not foreseen comes up. Remember the president's chickens were there when he was deputy president and his security privileges were governed by the same instruments. They didn't give him chicken runs. 
he, they didn't give him a swimming pool. They didn't give him a visitor center. On the same law, the same place, the same person. Advocate, who should be acting today? Should we hear strong words from the ANC against their president, from the government? Who should we be hearing from today? I can't be talking to the ANC because it is a civil society organization. It is entitled to do whatever it wants. But you're right about who should be talking. What I expected from government yesterday was not to say we stand by our findings because the findings were of an informal structure. Mm. Here now, your ombudsman, your public protector, created by the Constitution, has has spoken saying it was wrong. I expected them to take a moment, read the report, analyze it, and then ask themselves, if they were to do it again, would they order these items? And if they're going to order them for the president, will they order them for the deputy president, former presidents, former deputy president? Will they order them for the minister of defense? Will they order them for the other ministers? Should premiers be also ordering these things? And... Uh, you're still waiting for, and you're still waiting for your pool as well. Exactly. Final question, who's next? I got some suggestions this morning. ESCOM perhaps, SAA. Who's on your agenda? Who's, who's, who's there for you to target right now? We don't target anyone, mm. but we do have a lot of investigations that we're finalizing at the moment, one of them being Operation Sassela, and then there's a lot of other ethics matters that we are finally concluding, and lots of service failure matters that we are concluding. I want to find out from you, this was a tweet I read last night, I know you follow Chester Missing, the uh, the puppeteer, uh, he tweeted last night, I won't be reading the Encandler report, I'll just wait for the movie. Two questions that it got me thinking, do you expect all South Africans to be reading your some 470 page report, the 90 page summary even, which is quite dense in itself? And secondly, do you believe this is explosive enough to be a movie? Is this a grand scale of opulence, as uh, Chester Missing and others may say? I really can't determine what the, in- the, uh, the, the art industry is going to do <laughs> with it. But uh, no, I don't expect the average South African to read the full report. We are preparing a fact sheet. We were not able to finalize our fact sheet on time. We are preparing a fact sheet that we'll put on our website. And the, the Twitter team at the Public Protector South Africa will tweet snippets of the report to get everyone to understand what was decided. In one line, what should we take away from the Inkandla report, if I had to put you on the spot? Public power should always be exercised in accordance with the law and in the public interest. In this particular case, that wasn't done, but there was an opportunity to act. If this happens in the future, when the Mail and Guardian or any other media house breaks a story about wrongdoing, don't cover up, find out what's happening, fix the problem and contain the situation. Advocate Tuli Madonsela, it's been a great pleasure to be joined by you for the last hour. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you to the listeners who have asked questions and made comments. Yes, thank you very much for calling in. Very informative to hear from you and great questions. Really appreciate those today. Thank you so much. Join us again tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m. from myself, Darshan Midley, and our team of producers and, uh, of course, our technical producer as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll do it again tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m. It's over to Morning Talk, Rewitt and Bird, and Vibakshini Chetty with your 9 o'clock news.